You're listening to Between Two Flags, a podcast by the United Nations Association in Canada. UNA Canada's mandate is to educate and engage Canadians on the work of the UN and international issues of importance to us all. Use the hashtag Between Two Flags to connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. UNA Canada's Canada Green Corps program offers two branch programs to Canadian youth, Science Horizons and the Science and Technology Internship Program. The Science and Technology Internship Program is a work placement program dedicated to breaking down barriers for youth in Canada in the natural resources sector. STIP strategically provides new green jobs and opportunities for youth and showcases national leadership in natural resources. On March 21st, on a trip to the Rocky Mountains in Alberta, Four of our interns and one employer got together to discuss careers in sustainability, along with the challenges that come with that, and what they see future generations having to face. Let's have a listen to what they had to say. My name is Edward. I'm from Yukon, and I'm a technical writer in the energy sector. My name is Amanda, I'm from Ontario, and I am a user experience designer for the energy sector. My name is Allie, I'm from the Atlantic region. I work in the energy and solar sector as a module installer. My name is Monique, I'm from Alberta, and I work in the solar sector as a marketing and office manager. My name is Emily, I'm from Ontario, and I am an environmental stewardship coordinator. I am a placement manager for some STIP program placements at my organization, and today I will be speaking from the perspective of an employer in the natural resources sector. I'm wondering if you all can speak to uh, what is the most challenging part of starting a career? I would say getting experience mainly. Um, I've noticed a lot of students and new grads struggling to get experience um, while in school and after school? I think for me, I would say that um, I'm a little bit older. I'm 30, so I, I had to take a job straight out of university just to make money. Uh, it wasn't ideal. It wasn't necessarily what I wanted to do, but it was to make money. And at that point, it becomes really difficult to try and start a new career in a place or um, a field that I really want to work in while also juggling a full-time job. Um, I think that it's just almost finding what niche you really want to be in um, was the most challenging part of starting a career. And I still, you know, I still haven't found that final career that I'd like to have. So I'm still exploring those options and looking through different sectors and trying to find something that you know, feels right for me. Um, yeah, so I definitely agree with a lot of those points that have come up. Um, and I think, uh, I think there are a lot of challenges in starting your career. And a lot of those challenges will also depend on sort of the person you are. And, you know, different people will struggle with different aspects of that. Like a lot of people face, you know, discrimination in hiring processes. And, you know, that's not that's not their fault. Um, so yeah, there's, uh, there are definitely a lot of challenges, but uh, I just want to say, you know, in terms of getting experience, um, 
you know, em- employers, I think, you know, often they are looking for experience because, you know, that's how you kind of know that someone is, you know, going to be able to perform in the job that you're looking for them to perform. Um, but it doesn't necessarily have to be employment experience. Um, a lot of employers look at, you know, your volunteer experience and just the things that you do, like your interests and your free time. Um, so, yeah, I would, one of the things I really recommend to everyone is volunteering um, because that helped me a lot as well in getting the experience in the field that I wanted. I think um, the experience points is interesting because you're exposed to so many different things while going to school or even in high school. And the the scale or the type of things you can find are very different, I think, before and, and after you start your career. So I know for me during university, I was working in, in labor quite a bit uh, doing really physical work because that's the only work I was able to find without having that degree and without having uh, more of the experience I got through university. So it's kind of the slow buildup, but uh, even if you're volunteering, you're not going to be working on the same scale that you do uh, when you start a career. Yeah, one thing to add to that is uh, I think a lot of us think our careers have to be so linear. Like you're 18, you graduate, you go to university, and then you jump right into this career that you have until you retire. And what I've realized is that's not the case. And what's actually more beneficial to be a well-rounded human is having like diverse interests and diverse experiences and working in different places. And I think all of that adds so much to a resume. Yeah. And even coming from me, if you looked at my resume, you would find a very long list of employment and that's not because I'm not a good employee it's because I want to gather skill sets and learn new things and try everything because that's the way you learn what you like and what you don't like you're taking things off the list and putting them on your pro and con list and what you like and don't like I think in general there's a certain opaqueness that exists between what employers are looking for and how you're supposed to present yourself, uh, whether that's in a resume or however else. I know when I was first building my resume, there was really weird things in there. I've, I've applied for a few jobs with uh, Dungeons & Dragons in there, you know? So at one point you're kind of making it up and hoping for the best, and often that's not netting you the, the results you're hoping for. Um, what skill set do you feel will mo- be most valuable to address the changes the world will have to face? I'm happy to speak to that a little bit. I think um, more and more what we're finding is that communication is integral to a lot of the things that we do. And uh, as the world is trying to come together to solve a lot of the issues that we're seeing, communication and being able to, to relate to people from different uh, perspectives as your own is going to be really key in moving forward. Um, I might be biased here, but I think technology, like get comfortable with a computer and doing things, <laughs> maybe that's biased because that's what I do. But we learned a lot from the pandemic when things moved online. Like we were not comfortable with it at first, but it is obviously the way the future is going. So I think getting those skills that you can, you know, work remotely, you can do a lot of things with. I think that would that will help with all of the challenges that we're going to be facing in the next generation. I think that maybe it might not even be considered a skill set, but maybe some addressing of people's morals. Uh, People need to learn to be more accepting of the things that are, you know, the things that are real in this world and that they have to 
maybe deal with things that they don't like and maybe things that they really like. And you have to be able to be adaptable um, to those things and be open, right? Like we need to learn definitely to be just more kind people on a whole. Um, and that's not a skill set. That's something that you have to you have to teach yourself and you have to work hard. You know, I know that it's just something that uh, the world needs more of is for people to be kinder and more open to the things that are going to change. Yeah, and with that, um, collaboration is huge. Um, it's our future and it's what's going to get us to where we need to be. We all need to work together. We're all human. We all have similar wants and needs. So yeah, it's just the big thing is being able to work together is just as important as being able to work individually. You need both. Yeah, I definitely agree with all of those examples. Those are all super good examples like communication, technology, collaboration, um, and you know, even sort of looking at like the mindset of the culture, I think especially when we're talking about the natural resources sector. Um, I think, of course, when we're thinking of the challenges the world will have to face, we're thinking a lot about, you know, climate change and things like that. Um, yeah, and I would just say also in general, um, sort of being flexible and having a broad skill set, like having, you know, skills in different areas. Um, I mean, maybe I'm also biased based on, <laughs> you know, the fact that I, you know, my organization is a tiny nonprofit organization. And so we really value flexibility um, and having people be able to do lots of different kinds of things to sort of support the team, like uh, collaboration, like Monique said. Um, and I think that also applies to facing challenges like climate change, like climate change is affecting everything, not just the natural resources sector and the environmental sector, but, you know, political science and, uh, you know, just social sciences and, you know, the way that people are going to relate to each other. There's going to be a lot of, you know, a lot of the people that are going to experience the biggest impacts from climate change are people in developing countries who've had, you know, the, the least contribution to these issues. And that's going to cause a lot of challenges for the world. And those are human issues, not just you know, issues in the natural resources sector or the environmental sector. I think it's interesting to see how technology is becoming an umbrella for a lot of these skill sets too. I mean, we look back to the pandemic and both in the collaboration technology and communication technology, there's been huge uh, changes in the way we do things. Um, remote work technology developed a whole bunch and remote work is becoming more and more accessible and people understand that that's a necessary skill set almost. On the other end of that, I think that it's really important that in this time of like the technology booming that people recognize that they need to learn the skills um, on the other end. They need to learn how to be outside. They need to learn how to immerse themselves into nature. Um, they need to learn how to connect with the things that they're learning about because it's like a co-op, right? If, if you go into a job as an engineer and you've never built anything in your life, it's gonna be challenging for you. So. Um, you need to learn some things that maybe aren't under that umbrella of technology that are completely on the other end of that. Since we've been talking about the future, I want to know what do you think uh, your generation can contribute in comparison to your parents' generation? One big thing would be kindness and 
understanding, being open-minded. I mean, not to say, you know, my parents aren't those things, they are, but I feel like I, my generation has more of a space to be able to be more kind and be more gentle, um, be more understanding of everyone around us, the environment around us, how it all, uh, how it all works together. I was just gonna add to that, you know, and with the openness, I think that with a lot of the older generations, um, the closed-mindedness that is there and the need to stay in a place that they were comfortable with, um, you know, is is really hard. So we have to be mindful and, you know, be open to trying to bring those people along with us gently and not trying to force them into things, but trying to let them know that, you know, this is how the world is going and, you know, it'll, it would just be easier and more comfortable for them and everyone around them if they could find some way to be more accepting of all of the things and open to the changes that are, that are going to happen that, you know, they don't have control over. And so to harbor that resentment towards some of the big changes that have happened, you know, during the pandemic and just as we grow, as, you know, technology is thriving and, you know, things like that. So I think that that's really important that we are mindful and we care for those people who, you know, it's it's a comfort zone for them. And maybe they're not fighting us on the change because they don't want it and they think it's terrible, but because they're scared and they don't understand um, what's happening and it's very fast for them. So we just have to be mindful of that, I think. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think a big change that we're going to see is in the consumerism of our culture. Like we are in a generation where we, we are so much more mindful about how we consume, how we consume food and products and, you know, shopping local and supporting small businesses and um, just being more mindful about what you what and where you spend your money. So I think that's going to be a big difference that we'll see in our generation that our parents didn't necessarily have that that same mindset. In my opinion, what we're speaking to here is a certain self-awareness that I think was missing from past generations. I think in, in better being able to uh, understand ourselves, we can appreciate the parts of our knowledge that are missing and the, the different experiences I think that we've had and that um, previous generations might have just made up, you know. So instead of looking to others as a way to enrich your experience in life and grow your, your knowledge base, they were more uh, shut off from that. Yeah, and you know, I think it's, yeah, it's a self-awareness, but it's also an awareness of how, you know, we are all connected to the world, um, especially in this time of, you know, globalization, everything is globalized. And kind of like you were saying, I think the younger generations are sort of becoming much more aware of that and aware of the impacts that that's having on the world and like how we can change that. And yeah, just changing that mindset going forward. I, I can definitely see, I can see that happening now and I think it's going to continue to happen for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so I'm kind of wondering um, with everyone here, why did you choose to work in the natural resource sector then? 
I think that um, for me, that's a, a pretty easy answer. Um, you want to work at natural resources because that's the only way this planet's going to continue. Um, if you don't support natural resources and you don't get on board with that, then you're going to be left at the docks because the only way this earth is going to keep revolving and we're going to keep living on it is if you get into natural resources and you understand that uh, they're what's going to save us. Well, I didn't know necessarily that I was going to end up working in the natural resources sector. I took the job because of I needed a job. Um, and now that I've kind of ended up here, I'm realizing that there is such an opportunity to for this sector to be louder about what it does, the impact that you can have, the ability for people who don't necessarily come from this world to, to be impactful. Um, so I think that that is something that I would like to see more of for there to be more diverse voices in these conversations, for there to be space for people of color and immigrants to work in the natural resource sector and not just take jobs because they financially need the job. So, yeah, I definitely think that that's, there's some big opportunity in the natural resource sector. And I think what Ali said is completely spot on. Like, we don't have a choice at this point. Yeah, and I'll just chime back in quickly there again, Amanda. Um, I also, you know, I didn't know I was going to be in the natural resource sector, but you know, um, the same as Amanda, I, I took some jobs, I needed money. Um, you do what you have to do. And, you know, we all understand that, that that's a part of life that, you know, people need the money and they need to work where they need to work. But, you know, they, it, it's just a growing part of the world. And it's just something that we all need to, to recognize and realize that, you know, you might not start there, but it's a really great place to be. To actually contrast that, so I remember when I was a kid, I would go around picking up trash. Um, I would always be seeing it bunched up in the corner of my field. So I always remember going out and picking up the trash and always thinking, well, why am I doing this? I was like seven years old. Why, why do I feel that this is my responsibility? And Honestly, I don't know why. I just am a caring person. I know I need to care for the land around me. And I've always just kind of ran with that. Um, so yeah, I would just base all my work um, through school and try and cater it to my interests. And it's always been about natural resources and um, caring for the environment. So yeah, since I can remember, it's always been a very huge passion of mine. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think definitely for all of us who do work in the natural resources sector, I mean, it's often it's, you know, it's a passion thing. I think a lot of the people who work in this field are passionate about it, whether they kind of meant to get into it or not. They either started out passionate about it or they became passionate about it. Um, and, you know, I think if there's, you know, to answer that question from the perspective of, you know, if there's someone who's wondering if they should get into the natural resources sector, I mean, yeah, just like Ali said, it's, you know, <laughs> it's a really important field, especially right now. And we do need lots of diverse voices in this field. And so, you know, if you feel that you can bring something to that, then you should definitely try to do that. Um, and it's also obviously 
a huge growing sector right now. Um, so yeah, I think it's a good place to be. I think uh, going off of what Monique said a little bit, uh, empathy is a big part of what, uh, what it means to work in the natural resources sector. I think beyond that too, there's a lot of ways you can contribute that might not be obvious from the get-go. Uh, I think whether you're doing advocacy work or technical writing like I am, there are skills that are needed uh, that might go beyond walking around in the woods or whatever else it might be. Yeah, if you are looking for a job that you want to feel like you're having an impact, I feel like the natural resources sector is where you need to go. Yeah, so with that, uh, what do we all kind of think that the biggest challenge for Canadian society will be within the next decade? Mindsets, honestly, um, and culture. You know, those are two big things that we need to change in order to progress forward, to conserve, to protect. You know, we need to have that mindset and understanding and give up some of the conveniences. You know, like I can easily just go to the grocery store and get access to whatever food I want. Um, but that's not always sustainable. So, yeah. I think there's a lot of difficult topics we got to engage with uh, to a further degree than we are right now. And I think part of that challenge is going to be looking at what our leaders are doing and how we can change the framework with which we engage with those uh, problems or those issues. So for me, I think uh, part of the challenge is going to be looking at um, how we might change the political framework we're working with. I know uh, a couple of years back, there was talk about uh, voter reform. And I think having a more representative system is going to let uh, younger generations contribute in a more meaningful way. Yeah, I definitely agree with a lot of those points because, you know, especially like if you think about children, like who are they watching? What are they, what are they looking at? Who, what are you teaching them? You know, I have a daughter and my biggest goal is to teach her to be able to to work and to accept everyone, you know, and it might not always be pleasant and she might not always enjoy it, but you know, you have to be able to do that and keep yourself intact and not lose your cool. Um, because as soon as you start talking about things in an aggressive way or you're trying to force things onto people, they kind of get scared even and they back away and they, you know, they start thinking about things negatively. Um, so I think it's going to be really important for us to really teach our children how to do things the way that it needs to be in the next 10 years, in the next 20 years, because they're the ones who are going to carry it on for us. And uh, so it's important that we're recognizing that we're teaching them properly. I think that's a big challenge too, because I know that, um, I know the teachers and the schools are, a lot of them are trying really hard to include all of these things that we have kind of cut out of education, um, you know, and it's really important that we, you know, we really put those things back in and even further not put them back in, but you know, all the new information that we have and everything that we've learned. So I think that that's a big one too, is, is that in the next 10 years, you know, we're really gonna have to work on our educational system alone so that the people who are gonna ca sorry, carry us on are, are well acquainted with the world. 
to quickly touch on that. Um, totally agree about the education system, but it's also really important to lead by example and have parents that are teaching you things that the education system won't, haven't. You can't put your trust fully into the education system. You need to lead by example. Um, yeah, so, I mean, this is sort of related to what all of you have been talking about, but, you know, when I think, you know, what is, what is the biggest challenge for Canadian society in the next decade, I, I really feel that it will be sort of the, the divisiveness and the partisanship that's been happening, and I feel like it's been getting worse um, and <laughs> exacerbated by a few, you know, things that have been going on in our society recently. And I think that's just going to be a huge challenge because there are a lot of these big problems that, you know, you can't solve when people are, you know, when the whole society is incredibly divided on them, you know, like, you know, ha half of the society or whatever can't address a problem alone I feel like I feel like everyone has to be on the same page about certain things to get anything done and I just think that that's going to be one of the biggest challenges. I think in a discussion like this it's important to highlight that uh, there is progress being made whether that's towards education or divisiveness. I think the issue that we're facing is that the time scale we're working with is not the same as the the problems we're facing. I think we're going to be facing problems a lot sooner than we think we are and we need to be able to act on them starting now. Yeah, I totally agree, Emily. The like we know climate change is a huge challenge that we're all going to be facing and if we are divided and not working together to solve it, we there's there's no hope. Comes back to our collaboration. Mm -hmm. Very important. Um so I would like to ask all of you here um, just what does success in life look like for you? What does that mean to you? Um, well, when I was younger, I would say success to me was tied to financial success and having money and having a big house. And, you know, and as I've grown and moved into my 30s, I realized success for me is about legacy. It's about what do I leave behind what impact do I have on the people in my community, in my family, in the bigger like um, bigger world? So yeah, it's definitely shifted from less of it being about me and more of it being about what what am I leaving for the people in the world around me? I a hundred percent agree with all of those statements, Amanda. <laughs> um, but you know, like in a personal sense, and maybe not so worldly. Um, go into the selfishness here. But uh, for me, it looks like a, a, a really nice, like happy work balance for me. I wanna be able to enjoy my job and love what I do and feel like I'm making that difference and that, you know, other people around me can, you know, ask for help and that there's a, a really good work-life balance. And, you know, I won't, people should know that they, they don't have to, hate their job every day and, you know, and have no time for their family. I think that the world needs to move into a place where, you know, you don't have to work 18 hours a day and then go home and never see your kids. Like, 
you you need to be able to have that beautiful work balance and you know enjoy your family and enjoy your work so that's a lot of success and what it looks like for me as a mom well when you love what you do you never work a day in your life i think um it's something that our generation struggles with a lot is that the the lens that gets reflected back on us is often uh, of hedonism maybe or not wanting to work and i think that comes to fruition through the discussion we've been having so far and saying well it's not about not wanting to work it's just about trying to find a better balance trying to find uh, work that you can believe in and that you can work towards so i think in looking at success it's a lot more aligned with what you're going to do instead of uh, exactly what Ali was saying, how much you're working. Yeah, to touch on that, you know, we're in 2022. We've been talking about technology and how much it's grown. It's crazy. Um, so to think that we need to work like dogs is ridiculous. You know, we're, we made things convenient for us so we wouldn't really have to work. But yet nothing's changed, but our technology has changed drastically. You know, our education system is very slowly changing. How work-life balance is hopefully is slowly changing. Um, but success is just for me, taking care of the land. That's what I wanna do with my life. And you guys said it right, you know, you do if you're doing what you love, you don't work a day in your life. Yeah, I, you know, I really don't have much to add to that. I think, you know, obviously society has, you know, usually and still does usually define success in terms of financial success. And I think that that is starting to slowly change and it, it should change. Thank you guys for, for talking with me today and for sharing. It was yeah. a really great conversation to have. Thank you guys. Thanks for the discussion. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Between Two Flags podcast. You can find our podcast on Simplecast and the United Nations Association in Canada on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All of that information will be in our show notes. Thank you for listening.